0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this month's Metal Misconduct. Uh, first of all, I have to apologize for two things. Not just one, but two things. First of all, the quality is a little weird this month because we're all calling in. Everybody's all around the world here. And I have to apologize. Number two, our good friend, Mr. Sean Rourke, who is always the co-host here, uh, has bagged out for us, but allegedly he's calling in in five or ten minutes. There's some some issue going on at the NHL that we, we probably can't even ask him about. But anyway... Uh, all that being said, we're still going to start here, and we're very happy to have as our guest this month, former NHLer and former English Hockey League player, <laughs> Cam Jansen. How are you doing, man? Hey,
1: what's up, guys? Add a little ring to it, eh? English Hockey player. It's kind of unique. You don't say that much, do you?
0: Well, yeah. I guess what well, I should say English is in terms of England, So, it's just so you know, it's not a guy that speaks English, which most people do, <laughs> but we'll get which, to that. Oh, yes, I do yeah, sometimes. Well, yes. we'll we'll get to that in a little bit so first of all you started out um, obviously you're born in St. Louis uh, and now there's a whole plethora of of kids coming from St. Louis to play in the NHL so you were one of the early guys on uh, how do you feel about how that's transpired now that St. Louis is really turning out a lot of really good quality NHL players
1: oh yes yes they are Um, well when I first played we would have to travel every single weekend because these teams up in Canada and comp, you wear a little Caesars. There's no reason for them to come to St. Louis for us to host a tournament because we, oh, they don't, they don't need, why would they travel? They have in a hundred mile radius, uh, uh, a lot, way better, uh, kids to play against. than than we had, we, we were just starting out. We had a couple really good players and, and there is a huge drop off. Um, but it cost so much money to have to travel because obviously no teams would come down to St. Louis. So it was very, it was very difficult financially, especially on my parents. I mean, we would, we had to move out of our uh, dream house that we built a year, a couple years prior or before that. And, um, and it was just a very difficult time, but my dad knew I had something in me. Like I was unbelievably passionate. Um, but it was, it was, but from then on in, in 10 years past, and I, I, I was an anomaly. I came out of nowhere and just, I got lucky and I just was on a mission and I I just kind of broke some barriers and and, and made it. Um, But now these, all these ex NHL players that play for the blues are here and they're coaching their kids and they're involved in youth hockey. And we're always around. And there's a big alumni blues alumni here, a core group of guys that really funnels these kids in the right direction um, on the ice and off the ice. And, and there's just a lot of knowledge sitting around in in youth hockey right now. And that is a big part of, of of all these these kids coming up uh, making the NHL, Chris Weidman, Brandon Bullock, Pat Maroon, um, I mean, Joey Vitale, who I played on a, a team with, um, uh, you know, Paul Stastny came grew up uh, in the St. Louis hockey world, although he was born in I believe Quebec. Uh, and then you got five kids this year. I mean, look at that um, in the first round. That's un- unheard of. So it's cool to see the pro- the progress, but it was a very very difficult time. That's for sure.
0: But for you, you know, kind of being a trailblazer, more or less doing that, I mean, do these kids, do you, do you know some of these kids, If they talk to you about it? Do people look at you as like, wow, you're one of the, the guys that actually did this early on? And do you feel like you kind of got the ball rolling a little bit for, for youth hockey in St. Louis, just coming from there when nothing was really happening to make it all the way to the NHL? Oh, hell
1: yeah, I do. You think the, you don't think <laughs> I have a big ego? you kidding me? Of course, <laughs> man. I remind myself every single day. No, everybody knows. No. And I'm still in the community. I skate with these kids. Actually, I just had Clayton Keller, um, one of the first rounders of, for uh, Phoenix, and he did. They just won uh, the Olymp- uh, not Olympics, the USA. World uh, yeah, the uh, World Juniors. And I had him on my show, and I skate with him, and, and uh, uh, give him advice, and tell him stories. And, and, and like again, all the all the kids that uh, they're all from here. We all skate together in the summer, and then these young kids come up, like Keith Kachuk's kids. And they skate with us. So we're all part of this. So we're all close. It's a tight-knit community, the hockey community in St. Louis. But, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, trust me. I know I paved the way for sure. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> humble, by the way.
0: Well, yeah. Well, one thing that, that I do know is, is you're talking about the tight-knit community in St. Louis, and that is, a, that is definitely a, a fact that I've talked to so many people that, that have been there. And one of our really good friends is uh, Mike McKenna, who I'm not sure if you know. He's in the of course Florida I, band. Oh, yeah, the host, I yeah, yeah, of course th- I know Mikey. I figured you, you must, but he said okay. the same thing, you know, coming from St. Louis, that it's, the great thing about it is, and part of the reason why it's been so successful with so many kids coming out of there is it's, it's a really great tight knit hockey community there. and It just feels like it's a family thing. Everybody's rooting for these kids. And like you mentioned, Clayton Keller before, I think is the superstar in the league. And Kachuk's already kind of there with Calgary. It's pretty amazing what's coming out of there.
1: Oh, it's unbelievable to watch. And you see these kids in the summer. I told you, St. Louis is a, a big, small town you're in a bubble here and especially in the sports world. I mean, this is a sports city. Everybody knows our athletes here. Everybody knows the blues. Everybody knows the Cardinals. Everybody knew the Rams. They, this is a sports town. And, um, and and with the hockey community, it's even, it's even tighter. I mean, it's, it's a big community, but it's every, again, everybody knows everybody. And, um, you know, we, we have, we have, you know ice available, and we all skate. And all the kids again, we're all skating together, and it helps. And you could see the progress. And these kids ask you questions; they're like a sponge. And we're like, "Hey, man, stay away from that," or "Hey, look, this is what you need to do." Duh, 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 duh. And it's just it's fun to see these kids kind of progress, and um, and they're pretty hilarious too, by the way, in the locker room. It, it's it's a fun. <laughs> it's a, and that's the thing you, you love hanging out in the locker room too. You know you're involved, and it gives them it's not like you get it gives you a little bit of incentive to want to go to the rink when you got a bunch of guys or, or telling stories or doing this making you laugh and you go out there and we work we do our thing work our ass off and then you know go to on to the next onto the gym together or whatever um, it, it's, it, it helps it helps when you when you see guys that, that already made it and, and their their structure and what they do on a daily basis these young kids see that
0: and they emulate it by the way, feel free to take the Rams back. You can have them if you want them. They're all yours.
1: They're all – no, 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 no. You're keeping those guys. <laughs> you kidding me? But, look, who are you kidding, dude? They're going to turn that around over there eventually. They're going to throw money into that place. The stadium's going to be unbelievable. We're laughing and joking now, and, but they're going to be uh, – they're going to be something. Now, Chargers, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. They, But they're going to – they'll win that fan base back, I think. But, again, look, it's not St. Louis over there there's a lot other things to do. You're not bored in California, I'll tell you that. You're swimming, you're skiing, you're doing it, there's girls everywhere, you can do whatever the hell you want at any time of the year. So um, people get distracted in California easily from sports uh, activities.
0: Oh yeah, and and you got to be a winner here, otherwise people won't care, but uh, hopefully there's no doubt. It. So you mentioned early on when you were first starting out, it was really difficult for you to play, and, and you had to travel a lot, and you, know, you, you had to sacrifice your dream home and everything. Did you guys ever think about moving, like to somewhere where it was more, you know, either to Canada or somewhere where there was more competitive hockey then, or, or did you just want to stay in St. Louis because you loved it there?
1: Well, we had. I had to move to play the on. To in juniors, you had to do it. Like, well, I, yeah, of course. I'm not going to play high school hockey there, although you could. There's a couple really good teams, and you could you could do that. Um, but I was lucky enough to play one year junior here. We had a junior team in the North American Hockey League called the St. Louis Sting. So I was still going to high school and playing there, and then I moved to Canada. But in the, when I was really young, we had AAA hockey here. We had we, It's not like I'm from a, a town in Po I'm, I'm from Eureka, Missouri, so like I'm, I'm still next to a big city. Now, if I was from Salem, Missouri, then, yeah, I would have to, you know, if I really wanted to, to, to succeed in hockey, they don't have any hockey. For, for one, I wouldn't even be playing hockey down there anyway because you just couldn't get into it because there's no rink. But I'm talking about middle of Missouri. But for us, I didn't have to move but because we still had hockey available here at the time. Um, it, just was, it just was expensive. Put it this way. <laughs> and obviously, you probably know how I play. I was pretty out of my mind. I was, I was <laughs> passionate. I hit guys. I wanted to – I just loved toughness. And I and was just I – didn't, I didn't play tough because I had to to make it. I played tough because I liked it and I wanted to fight. So I would – when I was a kid – my dad would take drive me all the way up to Michigan or wherever for this tournament, and I'd go in the locker room. The coach would give a, a good speech, pump us up, and you know I'd go out there first shift and absolutely destroy some poor little sap <laughs> and get kicked out of the whole tournament in one shift. And my I'd get in the van and my we'd have to drive all the way home, and that was very unpleasant.
0: So now, how did you develop enough hockey skills to, to do well all the way up to the NHL if you get kicked out two minutes into your game? <laughs> I mean those, Look, I, I learned from
1: that because it was such a money swing. My dad didn't want me doing that anymore, but he couldn't yell at me. because I was, <laughs> It's not like I went out there and cross-checked a kid in the face. No, I went out there and what I do and what I made a living doing was hitting for the most part. Look, you can fight all you want, but if I wasn't a hitter, I wouldn't have made the NHL. And I'd go out there and I, I was just... I was stronger than these kids at this age. And I'd hit them, and they'd just crumble, really. And it's not funny, but it's just the way it was, and I, I liked it. And, yeah, the refs, depending on how horrible it was, really, the refs would be like, oh, well, I mean, this kid's playing here. I mean, we're going to have to kick you out. And then, you know, you get a gross misconduct. That's, that's a tournament at that point. And it just – it was tough. It was a grind. It was. I didn't get kicked out every tournament. But a lot of times, like, you just – it was a it was a pain in the ass when you did put it that way. Money's money, and that
0: cost a lot. <laughs> exactly. So now, obviously, every player that that grew up in the U.S. you've got the option to go to college to play hockey or go to junior. And a lot of kids go to college. It's always, I always find it's a fascinating decision as to which way you go. So obviously, you went to junior in Canada. What made the decision to go there instead of going the college route? Well, I mean, my style of play, for,
1: for sure. And to get back to the skill thing, I honestly, yeah, I had the athletic ability. My dad got me into every every sport. I wrestled, I soccer, baseball, everything. And and that's what I tell these parents, to Get your kid into everything so he becomes an athlete before he is guided into really what sport he wants. And if it's hockey, then he's an athlete, and he gets into hockey, and he'll be, become an e- easier, a better player that, that much quicker if you're an athlete. Anyway. But my skill set, I practiced in the basement. You'd, I had big basements, and we'd stick handle in the basement and stuff like that. But, um, but back to your point, I forgot where you even asked me. What was the question again? Sorry, Matt. Oh, I'm the reason there. that
0: you played, uh, you went to junior instead of college.
1: Oh, well, yeah. My, for one, I got drafted by the Windsor Spitfires and, and, and fighting 25 times a year. And, and I was playing, too, and I was hitting guys. And, and, and Windsor was just the fastest way to the NHL. I mean, playing juniors is the fastest way to the NHL. And in the easiest way, and that was my style. And it just was set up on a platform perfectly for me, and I got lucky. And that's probably the best decision I've ever made, is to go to Windsor and play up there in the spotlight. Because you are in the spotlight and and playing major juniors in Canada. You are, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Especially
0: in in a town like Windsor, it's a huge hockey town, right across from Detroit. Oh, my
1: God. I went there as a 17-year-old kid and automatically – they just love that style. They, those Windsor fans were so awesome. They love that rugged. And plus, I was, I was connected to them. I did all kinds of stuff in the town, and and I was really outgoing in my interviews and, and things like that. And and I just embraced it. And I just, did, I look back on it now. I'm like, that just catapulted my career so immis- immensely. Um, playing in that little spotlight in that little town with those fans. And every time I was on the ice, I wanted to put on a show for them. (laughs) And that was an awesome-ass feeling, man. It really was.
0: That's awesome. Now, when you got to the NHL, you had the the ability to be able to play in your hometown, St. Louis. So I know a lot of times people dream of that, and you get to that point. It doesn't work out quite the way you thought. But you were there for quite a few years. Was Was it great playing at home? Was it a pain, or was it a combination of both? How did that go?
1: Put it this way. That was another best po- possible thing that was pretty much out of my hand, out of my control. That was one of the best things that possibly could have happened to me, to play in your hometown. And again, the same thing as what I say about Windsor, it's the same thing here, and, but on a bigger scale. And I grew up and I played, I, I, I grew up playing hockey in the in the St. Louis system. I went to high school here, I went to middle school here, I grew up here. I live right next to my parents' In the same house we kind of grew up in after we had to sell our big house, we moved into a little smaller house. And when I was 19, with my signing bonus, I bought the house next door. So I'm embedded into this town. And to play here, uh, it was unbelievable. And again, I embraced it. I did. I did everything they told me. And that was like the rebuilding here. So John Davidson would have like me and TJ Oshi and all these young kids go do all this stuff out in the city all the time. Face everywhere. He did all these things. And at the time, you don't realize you're networking, but you are. I mean, you really, really are. But back to the point is, it's a bubble in this town. And everybody knew where I lived because we'd all party at my parents' house back in the day because they were so lenient. And now I live right next door. Everybody knows where you live. And, and you know, people just show up at your house, you know, and it's fine. You know, it's, it's cool. I would never really do that to somebody. But, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. And you kind of see somebody walking up and you would have to, like, military crawl it into your room and act like you're in the shower or something because you really don't know the person, but he's just showing up at your house because they know where you live. And that kind of got a little too much, and that doesn't happen much anymore. Um, But, again, it's a small town, man. And, again, it's a bubble. And it was good that I I had, after four years, I'm like, okay. And I signed with the the Devils, Um, although I would have still played here. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it was a business at that point. But it was good to get away because I was here all the time in the summer, 24-7, 365.
0: Yeah, crazy. Well, that's cool. So now, obviously, growing up in St. Louis, you must have spent a lot of time in the old St. Louis Arena.
1: Oh, yeah. Big time.
0: So Big were you time. aware, I'll, all due respect to St. Louis Arena, but were you aware as a kid going there that that was really the worst, oldest, decrepit arena in the history of the NHL?
1: Of course, I did. You know, you want to know why? Because <laughs> my dad complained. He bitched about it nonstop because birds were crapping on us. Put it that way. They yeah,
0: were. I went there for a few games and I was just like, this is there's a, this is an NHL arena? Like, I I've know. been to minor league hockey way nicer. <laughs> I know.
1: it was a dump, but it had atmosphere. Don't get me wrong, the Oregon and all that, but I remember birds flying around crapping all over the place and it was hilarious my dad would be so i just rem- you know and i was young don't get me wrong but i just remember him just complaining about it a lot because you know he goes to all the games and they wanted a new arena and it, and it happened hey you complain and they build so hopefully we get some renovations in st louis we now we need an upgrade to the uh, scott trade center and that's what we're pushing
0: for now I know it's so crazy they build these new arenas, and, you know, 20 years later. It's like, well, it's it's outdated now. you got to re- redo it. Yeah, so. yeah but
1: you got to look at it like, look, man, they're, they're, they're in competition with all these other arenas in, you know, Indianapolis and whatnot that it's not just about the hockey. It's about, like, you know, attracting concert, maybe, attracting other, uh, you know, who if – you're, if you're in a band if, and if, if you want to play in Indianapolis an unbelievable uh, arena – That you sound unbelievable, and because the sound systems are upgraded, or Scott Trade Center, you're going to go to Indianapolis and play. You you, you know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: That's very true. Hey, Ken, this is a
2: perfect place for me to come in. Sorry, I'm not joining the party here, boys.
0: scared everyone. Sean Work has finally joined us.
2: Yeah, Work. you know, there's this thing called work that you have to do every once in a while. So, uh you know, honestly,
0: Sean. Honestly, Sean, we we're having a great interview. You can just, you can leave, you can go away and do your thing. It's no big deal.
2: <laughs> I'm done now. So now I've come to infect you guys with my misery. Right. but uh, um, Perfect time to jump in because uh, we've talked about this in the past. That's how we kind of got reacquainted. You know, you talked about the uh, the old building and then the new building, and now wanting a new building, but. Aside from the building issues, I would assume that hockey in St. Louis is healthier than it's ever been.
1: Oh my! Well, did you watch the Winter Classic? I mean, I that, was at the that,
2: Winter Classic.
1: I, I, it was packed beyond belief. It was packed for that alumni game. I've never seen anything like it. I walked around there. I walked around the building. I talked to all, everybody. There were so many Blues fans. It put it, it honestly puts a smile on your face. You're like, wow, okay. Wow, we do have a base here, don't we? I see all you guys. I see you. I see the passion in your eyes. I see you coming for an alumni game, although it was beautiful out. They all came the next day when it was crappy out, and the game went perfect. It just was a cool thing to embrace. And obviously, we know this is a baseball town one way or the other. But boy, oh boy, after that Winter Classic, you know there's a huge, huge fan base that's in this city. And that was fun to watch.
0: Now, uh, before I got so rudely interrupted by Mr. Worf there, uh, I was just going to mention that you were going to fast forward to the very end of your career uh, where you went to go play in, in the league over in the U.K. Now, I spent a lot of time over in the U.K., and unfortunately I've never been able to go to a hockey game there, but I have a lot of friends that are diehard fans of these teams there. And uh, You had a pretty amazing experience. So, What was it like going over there and playing there, and how did you get there in the first place? I got there in the
1: first place. Um, I was, you know – Ten years into your career or twelve years in your career, um, you get to that point where you're just like, Whoa, okay, now what? Okay, do I got a job in America? Do I wanna play in the American League and grind it out? You know, look, playing in the American League is a grind. I'm fighting twice a night, no my, no doubt about it, which I like to do, but it is a grind. And I've done it and it's it's just you're in and out of the lineup. They want to play the young kids. So I wanna try something different. And a couple guys I play with Jordy Fox and Brock Wilson, on the local kids here in St. Louis, good players. They played over the over there and won championships with Nottingham Panthers, and they told me about it. And they and their coach called me up and said, "Hey, we got to. Uh, I think you would be an unbelievable fit here." Da 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 da. And that's basically how it was. And I went over there and I had a absolute blast. And again with the fan base, they the fans in Nottingham, and the, you can just tell by my social media, they are unbelievable, and they're soccer fans, and they're cra- they're crazy soccer fans and you obviously you probably went to a, uh, a soccer game over there they're chanting the whole time they're in it no matter what but if you don't if you lose they'll be on you don't get me wrong but I like that and they 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 went over there and they loved that tough style and we had a cool arena we 7,000 every single night I'd skate on very last and they'd give me a huge you know ovation and keep you pumped up and it just was cool you'd hand out fl- uh, flowers after the game and You know, it's just (laughs) really, really cool. Although some of the arenas, some of the rinks there, you talk about crappy rinks. Oh, baby. I mean, but you're going up to cool cities like you. We're traveling up to Edinburgh, which they have the biggest dump arena ever, but what an unbelievable city to go to. One of the best I've ever seen, to be honest with you. If they sunk a little bit more money into that uh, organization, that organization could thrive in hockey because they have such a cool uh, city and base and young kids and, Anyway, but uh, the travel was great, and we won a couple championships. Uh, the fans in the city, Nottingham is a cool, cool city, and I'm a history buff myself. So living downtown in Nottingham was just a blast walking through the game. Um, so if anybody, ever, all these kids I talk to in, in, you know, in St. Louis, and you know, they're kind of in that weird spot where they're in the East Coast, and they're grinding it, and you're going 22-hour bus trips, and they're like, Cam, hey, I'm just kind of in this weird, I tell them, try go overseas, you know? you're over in a different platform over there, you go and you dominate one of these leagues, maybe a, another league will throw a little bit more money at you. Um, and it's fun. It's different. So I recommend it to a lot of guys.
2: What's uh, yeah. We've heard so much, because uh, I follow that league a lot too, after having gone over there and seen uh, Belfast play the Bruins in a, an exhibition, but I've never seen a, a regular season game other than highlights and stuff like that. What's the level? like? Where is it at? Is it ECHL? Is it
1: AHL? The good teams are good. Our team was great. You got to think it's a bunch of guys that have a ton of skill that like to party. <laughs>
0: <You know? laughs>
1: think about it. They just didn't have, or you know, they just they got sick of grinding it out. They're a American League potential, and but there's a lot of guys that play in the NHL that um, that they go over there just like I did later on in the career. The good, some of the bad teams weren't that good. Um, but now that even when I, since I've been there, the league has changed. Like there's so many more guys getting flooding over there. Um, but our team was fantastic. I mean, just a bunch of all-star East coast guys and, and really good American league guys and some X NHL guys all combined from all over. And uh, we could have beat a lot of teams, man. I mean, we were, we were really solid. We were, um, it's, the thing is, if you get injured over there, it's hard to get guys in and out. You know what I mean? Like, you you drop a couple guys. You're not calling somebody up and playing four lines. You're playing three lines, you know, which was cool for me because that gives you more ice time. And uh, although I got a lot of ice time over there anyway, but uh, it, it was it's fun. It, it was it was probably the funnest hockey, I, you know, besides all the accolades and stuff like that. Playing in the NHL and doing my thing afterwards, and and you know living in your hometown. But the hockey itself was fun for me because I played a lot and. Um, it's it just fun to actually play hockey, although I did fight a ton, too. But that's just a given. God, there's, some, you,
2: there's some tough guys over there, right? Oh, hell
1: yeah, there's tough guys. It's all tough guys that I used to fight back in the day, like in juniors and um, guys in American League that go over there. Now that I went over there and fought and beat the hell out of a bunch of guys and tore that league up and, like, you know, just did my thing over there, they signed so many monster heavyweights over there. It's, like, 2-0-3 on each team, 4 to low, Brian McGratt, and, you know, um, just a ton of guys. Eric Nielsen, uh, just a ton of tough, tough dudes. So I would have had my hands
0: full this year, that's for sure. So now, have you obviously, you've played there pretty recently, but have you been back over there at all? No,
1: no man, I got a job. Or, look, I signed a two-year extension with them, but right before I was supposed to go over there, we had a tournament in, like, France. ESPN Radio called me, and they offered me a contract for it to be, and I just... I had to take it. I'm 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 just I'm delaying the inevitable. Going back over there and playing another year when I could a make a lot more money doing what I'm doing and get started on my career now. You know, be, and and I just I had a call them and they were they were pretty pissed about it, obviously. Um, but uh, I, I had to. They offered me a contract, and then obviously another station um, offered me a better one. And they, you know how that goes. Uh, but it, i just had to make that decision so i will i haven't been back over there yet but I'm sure i absolutely will they do all kinds of events and they'll they'll get me back out there absolutely
2: how's the radio get going
1: going great i I love it i, I do i and it's it's easier for me because I'm involved in so many different damn things in this town especially with the blues i mean I skate with the owner of the Blues three times a week. The president, Billy DeWitt III, of the Cardinals. Like, I'm just involved in all these things. So, it's just, I think, like, today I'm going to go on and talk about Bobby Plager's night last night. And I, we're all down on the ice, all the alumni, we you know, Brett Hall and Chase, Kelly Chase. We're all down there and and just, I was saying that to Tom Stillman, um, and we're watching the banner. And it was coming down, and it stopped, or it was going up, Bobby's Banner stopped and we're like oh my god i look at tom and tom looks at me and we're like oh my god it malfunctioned but then barkley players uh his brother came down and they met and they both went back up together the banners and it was the coolest thing in the world and i could talk about that because i was right there on the ice right next to the owner who put that together and saw his face because he had no idea that was happening just little things like that where where the audience is like oh cool and in my interviews with, like, Jeremy Roenick and those kind of guys, I could talk about stuff on the ice I did and different little stories and, like, inside things that no one else could really do. And it's it's different, and I, and I try to take advantage
0: of it. So how exactly did the radio gig come about? Like, where were you looking to do something like that? Did you just call you out of the blue? I mean, how did you end up landing the radio gig in the first place? Completely out of the
1: blue. I thought, to be honest with you, they wanted to – they had – you know, you, you look at your – you get your text message, and it says, oh, so-and-so from whatever radio station. You're like, oh, they want to do an interview. Well, this time, I'm like, it was wanting wanted to do an interview for a job, but I thought <laughs> I just wanted to do an interview about whatever. And so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, meet up, whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and we had a meeting. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and then I kind of did my homework and kind of talked around and got the buzz going a little bit about it and negotiated a contract. So that's basically how it went. I got a text message.
0: So somebody Dude. obviously must have known that you would be good on the radio. So was that, was that somebody just knew you and knew you'd be good on the radio, so you figured you'd do it?
1: Dude, I've been doing radio gigs with all these guys for the past 10 years. You know, like I know all these guys in the radio business in this small town. So, yeah, I've been, I've been doing podcasts, whatever, whatever, for years with every one of these guys. So in every station in this city, for, again, and, and anytime they would ask me back in the day, would be like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it, even if it's a game day. Going to the game, I'd do an interview right before I went into the tunnel to, go, uh, to the, go to the game. And so they knew how I was. They'd probably been evaluating me for years, and they just, uh, this one text message kind of got the ball rolling.
2: Is it, is it different being on this side? I, I know, you know, you talk to you talk to players all the time, and, you know, sometimes there's, there's an anger level with how they're covered or, you know, what people say, and now you're kind of on that side of the fence. Is, is it different for you?
1: Hell yeah, man. But this is what I, I talked to. actually asked Jeremy Ronick this the other day. I go, dude, I go, you know, I played with these guys. I see them all over the place. I'm passionate for this hockey team. I'm passionate for this damn organization. I am. And I, I, I have to be honest. I have to be real. And I look at it like if I was a captain of that team and I was pissed at somebody for not working or not taking three steps or not stopping the front or not clearing the front, I'm going to be on you. Or if our superstar is dogging it, I have to bring that up. And I, 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 I have to be real. And I everything I say, I feel like I would say right to his damn face. I would. I love you to death. God, get moving, man! You know, like, <laughs> like Kyle, you just like I would say if I was your teammate. You know, like, let's go. Um, although I probably wouldn't be saying that to Vladimir Tarasenko if I was his teammate, uh, unless <laughs> I was like a lot more. But you know, but yeah, I would construct it. It's one thing to be like, oh, they all they suck out, oh, this and that. No, 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 no. Look, we got a problem here. This is what we need to fix. he doesn't seem engaged? This guy, that you know, Steiner. This. Um, so I, I, I look at it and, and what Jeremy Roenick said was just be honest, be honest. And I will, and I'll be passionate and I'll pump their tires when they need to get pumped. But if they're, if they're dogging it, I have to talk about it and I will talk about it with passion.
0: Well, with that in mind then, so what's your take on Ken Hitchcock being relieved of his coaching duties and Mike Yo taking over now?
1: I can't talk about that. It's too confidential. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 no, man. Look, they needed that, man. And of course, you look. You could tell they were they were, they weren't engaged. They weren't. They 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 they, uh, they blocked him out a long time ago. And there, they, you just once that happens, you you, you lose your players. You, you got to go. And this is a common theme, in and hockey and coaches anyway. You see it all the time. It's a three year, four year window, and once the guys get disengaged, it's time to move on. And that's but, what happened. But I know they had great years, and I know they did. But you could tell they got worn out by hitches, meetings, and stuff by the end of every year. They would lose sure. in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and that, everybody everybody tunes the coaches out. But is Mike Yo the right guy to replace him? Though we'll see. I mean,
1: we'll see. I, I, you know, who knows a lot about him? I mean, really, we'll we'll see how the guys respond to him. From what I hear, and from me, the said they like him. He seems like what I've met him before. He seems like a great guy. You don't know how he reacts, but what I did notice is, in that last yesterday, you could see his involvement on the bench. I watch him on the bench, and he's 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 tapping guys on the back, like "Good job, good job." Talking to Vlad. he was all talking to Vlad. like "Wait, we do that." You could just tell he was positive, positive, positive. That's a big thing, especially for guys like I, for me. I loved. Coaches like that. Now I, you can't be too positive, and you know you, there's a fine line. But you can tell he was more engaged. He was more engaged. He was constructive criticism. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! I like that, and maybe that's what they need—a young team like this with a young core or a, a newer captaincy and a newer core leadership.
2: How difficult is you know they just went through the change and now the trade deadline is looming as a player. How difficult is is that period? This next three four week period we're going to go through here.
1: I think it's, look, for a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, I think it's like an exciting time, man. Look what he's, he's going to get, he's going to go wherever the hell he wants. He's in the best situation possible. If the Blues do good, they might keep him if they're going on a run here. And he's in that, he's going to sign an unbelievable deal one way or the other. He's putting great points up, although it's plus minus. It's just defensive zone has been uh, shaky one way or the other, but he's in a great spot. Um, it, I, I look at it as kind of exciting. Like, what's going to happen? What are we doing? And it, but look, if you're locked into a city, you got your kids, your family here, and this and that. I get that stressful. But he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, he knows the city. He's you know committed to the city one way or the other. But he's probably like, what you know? I'm going to do what I got to do. I love this team. I'll do. I, I get the business. If we do well and they keep us, because we're going to go on a run, then hell yeah. If not, I'm going to get traded to a uh, contender, and then I'm going to get paid out. But anybody else on the team, I don't know who, who what you could do with too many other guys.
0: So now Sean tells me that in addition to all of this great hockey stuff, you're also a music fan and into some heavy music. So what what's going on there?
1: Well, music's been a big part of my life, dude. I mean, I'm like I'm all over the place with music. Like I love my metal, and I love you know I love like you know Pantera, Asking Alexandria, stuff like that. Uh, but I. I use music as a form of kind of meditation and it pumped me up before games. I know I got to go against a big boy, Brian McGratton or whoever the hell, Colt Moore or Wade Belak or whatever. I, I just love that, that moment driving down the Scott trade or wherever I'm going and just jamming out and then going through what I'm going to do in that fight, listening to some hardcore lamb of God or whatever. And I just go through and go through and it's just like my, easy meditation um, and then sometimes on the plane after a game I'll put on you know a, a Mozart <laughs> you know um, just to, to kind of calm me down but uh, I could listen to the metal all day uh, you know just I like both for my Valentine I'm all over the place with that but yeah hell yeah music is a, a huge influence in, in my hockey career nonetheless
2: how did you get into into the heavier the heavier side of it I mean it- in your day, there was a little bit more of that. Now you go into a room and it's all EDM and country, but oh. uh, metal's never been like the, the dominant form of music in any hockey locker room I've ever been in. So how did you kind of get introduced to that whole genre and, and embrace it?
1: To be honest, my dad. My dad got me into Raising This Machine when I was young, and my dad got me into Pearl Jam, and then we got into like White Zombie, and he would listen to it when driving me to games. And I'd be in the back with my buddies, you know, all on the team. And we'd I'm like, Dad, put that, put this in, put that in. And he'd put in some rage. He's like, check this out, right? It just came out. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, like, that's how cool my dad was. You know what I mean? My dad got me into it. I mean, who, how many dads could you say did, did that? But that's how cool, you know, how close we were. And, and we just kind of went from there. And actually, my grandma, in 1994, when Far Beyond Driven came out with Pantera, I had my Nana, which I call her Nana. Huh? And I took her, she took me to the music store and I and bought me that unbelievable, uh, number one on the charts for about 15 minutes, album by Pantera, Far Beyond Driven. My Nana bought me that when I was 10 years old.
2: I <laughs> hope you didn't play it in the car on the way home.
1: Oh, I did. And she was like, what are you, who are you? Like, what <laughs> devil child? We have Satan. Oh, God, it was so funny. But she didn't care, are you kid me? Oh, she loves it. She didn't love it, but she accepted it
0: <laughs> until uh, the F S-
1: bombs got thrown out, and she's like, "Okay, I know." <laughs> that's-,
0: that's awesome. So, have you? I mean, obviously, we talk about uh, you know we talk to hockey players and obviously musicians and stuff here all the time. And you know, every hockey player wants to be a musician, and vice versa. Have you ever have you since you're a big fan of you been able to hang out with any of these guys? Have you been able to meet any of the bands and hang out with them at all? Dude, are you kidding me, man? I go, <laughs> I
1: go to a lot of rock concerts, dude, and I take advantage of it. You know, and all the guys, like at 1057 The Point here and stuff like that, dude. I go to all the the ass concerts, Point Fest, and I go in the back, and, and they let us creep right in the back, right where all the buses are, all the band's buses. We'd park right back there, go backstage. They always bring me on stage. You know, introduce introduced Chevelle, uh, Avenged Sevenfold on stage. You know, I'd always, I always do something. One time I brought... I'm a girl. I was dating at the time, up on stage right before I introduced Chevelle out, and I made out with her real quick, and got the fans went crazy. And (laughs) and, I don't know what the hell I was doing, but it's just I. And then you party with the guys, and that's a hard look. You go, it's one thing go downstairs and see after a hockey game how organized everything is. You walk outside, everybody's suit and tie, your family's there. Do 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 do. Go backstage at a rock concert, and it's a different story it's a different lifestyle. Now some guys kind of keep to themselves, but it's a party like you're in the scene every other night, you know, like in these weird venues with it's just a it's a different scene. It's cool, but it's hard on you. It's a tough life, but if I was I I always say this, if I've ever reincarnated, I want to be a lead singer in a metal band. I do. I think that's the coolest gig you could possibly get. A cool. It's just such a grind to get into it, but I would love to have an awesome voice and be a lead singer in a metal band.
2: Who would you patent yourself after?
1: Now uh, I can tell you this: I, I know exactly who I would. But before I tell you, I don't agree with everything he says. You know, he's gotten his foot in his mouth a couple times. But just and, and I knew he was he, he kind of screwed himself um, with uh, with drugs. Which, of course, I mean that's uh, trust me. I don't I know that 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 whole that whole deal is just a, it's a nasty one. But Phil Anselmo. In his stage presence, in my opinion, was the baddest ass thing you could possibly get. When he was on, he was on. And I just loved his, his expressions, his face. Now, when he was doped up on heroin doing it, and he was drinking, uh, uh, you know, wild turkey, a full bottle of wild turkey before he even goes on stage, I don't like those performances. But if you go to 1991, Domination, when he played in Moscow, Russia, in front of 500,000 people, watch that show. Watch those early shows when he was on his game. He was a badass ass dude with the baddest ass voice and vocal range, in my opinion,
0: uh, I've ever heard. Well, yeah, that's kind of the sad thing about about him. Is you know, you did kind of throw it all away. But I mean, I, I you know, you can get behind the reasons for that. You know, fear success or you can't deal with it, all that sort of stuff. I know those guys really well, but but yeah, when he was on, you're exactly right. Because the one thing and you know, Pantera for for me, it's. A, like we're writing, kind of a side story, of we're writing up the history of Metal Blade and we're kind of talking about the mid 90s. And really, Pantera was kind of the one band that really kept that whole metal scene alive in the 90s. And so oh, many yeah. people got into them because they were the big mainstream thing. I mean, yeah, Phil could do, he could sing perfectly, he could harmonize, he could hit the high notes, and then he could also do the guttural. Stuff. Oh, he had yeah. this amazing range that almost nobody has. And, you know, people, with all the stuff that's gone on with him since then and Pantera, and obviously with Dime, and everybody, you know, loved him. Oh. As they should. Uh, yeah. so he's kind of been lost in the fact that, uh, as a front man, you're right. He was super amazing, but his vocal range is—I mean, there's hardly anybody that's ever been able to do that sort of range, too, which is incredible. Well, another
1: w- watch. Well, obviously, kind of drawing a blank. Listen to Planet Caravan. Like he, he could do. Uh, he-, he could, sc- I- I- and I love, I love his screams. Like I love strength beyond strength. And when he screams in that, and some he and you, if you look it up online, I I love to find like Strange Mountain Strange is one of the best, coolest songs by Pantera, Far Beyond Driven, uh, their first song on the track. And you look up, he, it was hard for him to play that song, to scream that song on, on live shows because it just ate up his vocals. Uh, but there's a couple of them on there that he, and there's two parts in that song where he really digs into a growl. And there's a, and I found a couple on, this is how I, I know I'm such a nerd, but I, I found a couple, uh, uh, on YouTube, uh, back in the day in 94 where he can really screams and man, it just sounds, it sounds exactly like it sounds live. And, and then he kind of goes into a weird phase and he was all messed up for a bit. Um, and then you could tell his voice changed a little deeper by the, by his last album, but, uh, but gosh almighty, I love it. But another guy who has awesome vocal range, and a different kind of band, who was also one of my favorite bands, is Asking Alexandria and Danny Warsnop, um, He's got growls, and he could scream, sing melody, and he could he's all over the place. And um, I don't know if he's back with them or not. But, yeah, um, yeah,
0: he's, he's, yeah, I was going to say, you got to be
1: excited. He's back in the band now. Yeah, I heard that, and I just kind of felt... I, I heard that he was back, because uh, what's his name? I, I don't know. They, just, they kind of didn't had their separate ways. But Danny went to that other weird... That other uh, We Are Harlot, and just, gosh... I know he's had vocal surgery, but man, oh man, I just love the way he screams. And um, I just wish he was more passionate about it, you know? Like, he's kind of like, dude, dude, I wish he had better stage presence. Like, if he was Vladimir Tarasenko, I'd be like, get going, you know?
0: He's he's a really weird dude, but I think, you know, I, this happens a lot. You know, guys get to a certain space, and they kind of become successful, and they go, oh, I can do anything. And then you leave, and you realize, like, Oh, the grass isn't really green on the other side. Maybe so. No. So he's back, and I know he's happy to be back. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll be a good thing for that band. Well, it, it look,
1: man. Think, think it, it wears you out. I mean, you ask ask Steven Tyler, like everybody in the, everybody in his band for a while, even right now, they want to play show after show after show. And Steven's like, look, I, if you want me to be on my game, and you know how he is, he he's all over the place. Like he's dance and he's do and he's scream and he's this. Um, you know, he's not growling, but he's he puts on a show and he's like, Look, I, I'm worn out. You guys are sitting here, you know, fucking strings. I'm dancing around, doing this, doing that. It wears me out. I'm not gonna be on my game. So what Danny happened to Danny, the way he screams, it gets hard on you every night, getting into it, blah. Um uh it wears you out. It, it does. And, and he didn't I don't think he wanted to do that, but then he goes we are harlot and they're like, Yeah, I'm not getting the attention that I like being a badass metal singer. Yeah, I'm going to go back to this
0: trend. Exactly. So uh, are you a fan of one of Phil Anselmo's favorite bands, Ghost?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get into them. Look, I need to see bands live
0: to appreciate it. If, oh, you got to see them live. Well, Maiden Maiden, and Ghost are touring this fall. you got to go to that. Dude, I... I I
1: love that. I love watching live. I wanna watch it live. Like I go to these bands, I, I I critique them like I like it. I like to see their stage presence. I, even if I don't know the band, I can tell if they're on or not. It's like watching a hockey game. You could tell if they're in it. They're in it. You know what I mean? I just I like to watch watching live shows and uh yeah, I'm gonna check them out. They're getting a lot of attention.
0: They won a couple of awards, didn't they? Yep, yep, they're great. Yes. And especially they're great live.
2: Yeah, no, they're fantastic live. They do, like, the whole religious set, and it, it's unbelievable. I like that.
1: I like that stuff, dude. I like it. It's different. You know, Slipknot did that. You know, they started doing that, and people were like, well, let like these masks in. Yeah. Well, yeah, look. Look what happened with that. It worked out. You know, you've got to be different, and they're just different. And and when you're different, you can put a uh, – you, you you're well-versed in writing, and, and you've got great musicians with you. You're going to you're gonna succeed, and you just gotta be different. Now, I, I, these bands, it's like, I, I, I compare everything back to hockey because it's kind of similar. Like these, I talk to these local bands around here and they're like, you know, I'm like, I'm like what are you guys doing? What are you, what are you doing to separate yourself? Like, what are you doing? You need more, maybe just something, change something up. I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult, but I, I look at it like I would, I would critique a player. You know what I mean? Cause it's kind of the same thing. It really is.
2: So didn't your, during your playing days, did you win anybody over to the metal side?
1: Man, they think I'm out of my mind. They're just, <laughs> I scare the hell out of. you. know what I have to do, like, once in a while? Even on my radio show, like, I'll, I'll bring in the, you know, I Ramstein the other day. I put on Ramstein and I put, like, uh, strips, you know, I like to see you strip. But they got an awesome, the, the, the guitar in there is great. It's awesome. It'd be cool to segue to segue into the show. And I play, and everybody's just like, "Oh my god, Cam, what do you?" What? I'm like, "Good God, like, don't get scared. Like, they're, you know, it looks like they're frightened by it. I'm like, don't, it's just horrible." But they, and but their favorite, you ask anybody, they just like the generic. They like what everybody else likes. They like what when you go and you press, you, you listen to the same top forty crap all day. That's what they listen to because everybody else listens to it. I know I'm, I'm like giving them a hard time right now, but I do it every day anyway, so it doesn't matter. But you know what I mean? They, it's, I, don't, I don't see that. I like to think outside. I like bands that if you take their drummer away, that band's dismantled. You know what I mean? That means their drummer, The drummer's a big part of that band. You could take away a lot of drummers and bands and, and, and replace them. It won't matter, like a U2 or whatever. But if you take the Rev away from Avenged Sevenfold, you're going to have problems until you replace them with somebody unbelievable, which they really haven't done yet. Have they? I mean... The guy, the kid hasn't got out of his box yet. But uh, do I make any sense there, or am I just rambling? No, no you make hundred
0: percent sense. Oh, look, well, look, we'll see about Event Sevenfold this summer because they're opening for Metallica on the Stadium Tour, which I think I'm not supposed to say anything about yet, but I'll, I'll break it here. So,
2: dude, oh, look wanna, at us breaking news.
0: I wanna, I'd love to meet those guys,
1: man. I really, really would. I would love to meet Tim Shadows and all those guys. I mean, I, 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 I met. I, I remember back in the day, I met. I, I hung out with them back in the day. You know, just you see them, and that was before they were really big. I remember um, it was like in 2004 or five when they were just getting it. I remember watching. I, I, real quick, if you guys got I, I how I got into Avenged Sevenfold, who's one of my real favorite bands. Uh, "Save Me" is probably one of the best songs ever created. 11 minute track on Nightmare. Anyway, the, the, the how I got into them. I just bought my house. I was 19, 20 years old. I just got back from playing in a lockout year in '04 um, with Albany. And, uh, fought 45 times that year. Whatever. Anyway, got home and I just, I, uh, it was three o'clock in the morning. Have all my buddies over getting plastered or whatever. And, uh, I put the TV on. It was MTV2 at the time. That's when that was still actually decent, in my opinion. And, uh, uh, uh Backcountry came on. The music video of Bat Country. And me and everybody stopped what we were doing, except the girls. And we looked at each other and we're like, what is this? And you see him like, oh, my God, turn that up. And we watched the music video of Backcountry. And I'm like, I love that band already. I love it. And you listen over and over and over. how That, that song is so cool. I would just change his pace and this and that. And then the music video, if you, you know what the hell I'm talking about, is just phenomenal. That Las Vegas, uh, uh, what's that movie called? Uh, uh, I don't know, Johnny Depp. But anyway, if you saw the video, you'd understand what I'm talking about. But that's how I got into Avenged. 3 o'clock in the morning partying a bunch of people and Backcountry came on as MTV2 and I fell in love with it. So that kind of stuff.
0: Well, dude, if they are playing in St. Louis, just hit me up and I'll huck you up with them. They're, they're good dudes.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I hear nothing but good. You know, you hear, you talk to the right people here and there, you know who's cool and who's nice and who's genuine and who's not. You, you figure that out pretty quick and I've heard nothing but good things about that band. Nothing but good things.
0: So. By the way, I guess the only date that Metallica and Avenged Sevenfold are confirmed for is the Rock on the Range thing, which is not too far from you in Columbus, Ohio.
1: Oh, really? That's a cool yeah, road May, trip,
0: Yeah, May 21st. That's a cool road trip. Yeah, yeah that be- festival this year is going to be amazing. There's so many amazing bands playing. I think Volbeat's on it. and I mean, there's a million songs. Oh, I
1: love Volbeat. They're underrated,
0: man. They're great yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome guys. The guitar player is a really close friend of mine. They're they're great dudes.
1: The le- oh yeah, they're all yeah. He seems like a good old boy, you know. Goes up there, and drinks a shot of whiskey before he, you know.
0: Goes up <laughs> there and does his
1: thing, man. Oh yeah, I see it, man. I see it, dude. Um, but yeah, are, are most guys you talk to, hockey guys, do they know? Is there anybody else that knows that likes
0: rock like I do and metal and stuff? There's a few. I mean, we, we've talked to all of them, but right now there's like, Eric Abrams is into it. He's into a lot of the hardcore stuff too. Obviously, you know Mike McKenna. He's super into it. He's um, hardcore. I haven't, yeah, got, he's, I haven't really got to the dark side yet. <laughs> <they're> really, <laughs> yeah, McKenna... Well, Mike will Stab- bring you there. Yeah, Mike will bring you there. And Drew, <laughs> Drew Staver may be the biggest metalhead of all of them. I mean, He knows he knows more about metal than I do. He's talking about bands that I haven't even heard of before. He's too into it. Yeah, Tuka Rask, uh, Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard's got the In Flames logo on his mask. Oh, yeah. So there, there's, a, there's a bunch of them out there. Not as many as there used to be, but there's still there's still, still a few floating around.
1: Some of those Finnish guys and those Swedish guys like metal for some
0: reason.
2: Yeah, we you got know, Tony Ludman on and uh, a couple Nina. other guys. Yanni Nienema. I'll, yeah,
0: I'll tell you a quick funny story, though. So uh, we were in uh, in Anaheim, and, and Amada Mark came. They're a huge hockey fan, so they came... To the game with us, and we're friends with the guys who you should know if you don't know no already. Violent gentlemen, are you familiar with them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're great dudes. So we're right. game a What is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So they're the guys with the clothing company, George Perros' yeah. company. And yeah. We're gonna get you hooked up with them because you are a violent gentleman. You should be. They should be sending you boxes of free merchandise.
1: <laughs> tell, tell, geez, George, George, you ripped my shoulder out. I, I feel like he needs to hook me up with something to compensate for that.
0: Dude, uh, <laughs> dude, get your information, it's to be an unbelievable Sean. Guy. Get your information to me, Sean, and, and you'll have a gigantic and your sizes, and I will get you a gigantic box of, of shirts. But anyway, so we were at this at this hockey game, and the the VG guys were really good friends with Matt Molesky when he was playing for the Ducks. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, they told you know the the guys were wanted to meet him because they had like seven Swedish guys on the team. And Molesky told all of them, he said, "Yeah, there's this really famous uh, uh, metal band from from Sweden that's here," and they, all the guys like ran the other way. <laughs> They're all afraid of, of metal, so oh, uh, it's it's weird, man. It's weird because these guys
1: look. I had two separate lives. I had my buddies I hung out with, and I had my hockey buddies. You know, I had my people. I always I always had buddies everywhere I went. And my buddies that hang out with a lot of them listen to metal. That's how I got it. But a lot of these kids, they hang out with their hockey buddies and whatever's in the locker room that they've heard over the years in the locker room. That's what they listen to. So they don't go outside the box. You get my you get my point. It's, it's oh, yeah. Weird. Yeah, I Absolutely. Really nuts. I've really listened to doing... a
2: lot of bad locker room music and a lot of bad pregame music.
1: Oh, I, I gave up on yelling at the guys. At, 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 at one point, these young kids would play the goofiest ass stuff. And I'd be like, I'd be so mad. Like, what are we listening right before we walk on? And then finally, I just be like, OK, just do what you got to do. Just play it. <laughs> I don't want to be the asshole. Like, I don't want to be, you know, I'm the, only, I'm the anomaly. So I don't want to be that guy. You guys like that.
0: If it helps you, do it. You know, oh, gosh, but anyway, it's pretty funny. That's going to turn around. Well, well, we could talk all day, and we really greatly appreciate you doing this. This has been amazing. So, so, so
2: before you go, Mike's been on five times, so you got a long way to go to catch up to be oh, the lead yeah. St. Louis guy. So
1: <laughs> well, keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun chatting with you guys. They like <laughs> talking sports and talking music, dude. I, I, I just love it, man. I could do it all day, so. So uh, give us all
0: your uh, social media stuff where people can check you out and follow you and talk to metal. Yeah, you well, I got uh, Cam
1: Jansen25 uh, and Cam Jansen25 social media. And uh, I got Facebook as well, just on the, under my, uh, I, got, I got a uh, fan page. And Line Change on 590, uh, 590 to fan. It's, uh, you can look, it's, it's all over all over the inter- internet. And uh, I should be a lot smoother at this. But uh, <laughs> uh, but you can check it out. Check it out on my Facebook, code Line Change on 590 to fan. Uh, InsideFL.com, and uh, yeah, we get all kinds of cool interviews and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, stuff like that, and I, uh, I just kind of speak my mind and uh, passionate about the, about the hockey and, and about the Blues big time. So check us awesome. out there; it's pretty good stuff. Awesome. Now, we'll tell, you get
0: to this. Yeah, and tell George to send me a bunch of stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll wear the hell out of this product, dude. Yeah, <laughs> get me get get me a shot. All your info, and, and I will make sure that they uh, that they hook you up. No worries whatsoever there.
1: Sounds good, guys.
0: Appreciate right. it. Thanks again, Dave. Hey, Thanks a so
1: lot, Kim. We really appreciate it. No problem, guys. Talk soon.